7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Transparency. 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 Transparency Talks Podcast with Butter B. Rocka. Transparency Talks Podcast is brought to you today by Export Coffee Co. Export Coffee Co. is inspirational coffee for those go-getters, entrepreneurs, stay-at-home moms, influencers, hipsters, and more. They offer high-quality products that are ethically produced and delicious. With many options to choose from, including French Vanilla, Breakfast Blend Plus, and Cinnabon, offering the freshest flavor in each sip. Visit them today on Instagram at Export Coffees, or you can visit them on their website at www.exportcoffeeco.net. Again, that's www.exportcoffeeco.net. Export Coffee Co. Shop it, love it. Welcome everybody to another episode of Transparency Talks Podcast. We have an amazing show today. Um, But before we get started with our special guest, I just want to let you guys know to make sure that during this time of COVID, even if it wasn't COVID, make sure that you are taking the time to elevate yourself, uh, read books, write something, do something, be active. During this time of COVID, you either going to get extra or you can get extra. So work on yourself and uh, get it right. So also make sure that you go and read my book, Fear of Failure, Fear of Not Trying. It is on Amazon. I am an Amazon bestselling author. So make sure you check it out. But without further ado, I would like to bring on Mr. Demetrius Flowers. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for uh, coming on the show. Now you are CEO and co-founder of Creative Content Development Group, LLC. You're also a special agent and a criminal investigator, correct? That is correct. That is okay. correct. So we're going to dive on in, but um, I, <laughs> all right. I was super excited because like when you were speaking to um, uh, the, the guys, the fellas, I think it resonated to all the parents out there too, because I was like, wow, I mean, your story was absolutely amazing. So before I get into the questions and everything that I have for you, can you tell us and uh, share, you know, a little bit of your story and your background of what you was telling all of our teams? Yes, absolutely. So again, thank you for having me. Uh, it is my passion to, um, I believe that all of us go through things in life and that if we just get out of our way and understand it's not about us, but when we overcome and have some successes in life and have the opportunity to look back, we'll see that there's a lot of lessons that we can share, especially with young people, to help them not have to go through some of the things we may have had to go through or to help them be able to navigate those obstacles that they are experiencing in their lives where they may feel like, woe is me, everything's coming against me, and, you know, the opportunities and what I see for my life are not possible. And so, you know, my story is not unique. I'm just very open about telling it. Uh, I was born to a teen mom. My mom was 17 years old when she had me. I never met my biological father. And um, all of the things that go along with that and growing up in the inner city of Chicago, grew up in an area called Inglewood. And so if you pay attention to anything going on in Chicago now, you know, that's a pretty rough area. It was rough when I was growing up as a kid. And so, you know, I had a lot of things that I could have taken and and stored away for why I was not going to be successful or why I couldn't achieve in life. But, you know, I was blessed just enough to have a grandfather who um, saw something special in me. 
Um, I was able to spend some time with him, uh, approximately live with him for approximately four years. It really shaped and changed the way that I thought and saw uh, things with life. And I had that opportunity to spend that time with him here in Georgia, in the Atlanta area. And when he passed away and I went back to Chicago at the age of 10, um, nothing uh, uh, felt the same. I didn't see things the same. And so I'm just a real big believer that once the human mind expands, it can never go back to its original form. And during that time that I spent with my grandfather, the, the, he would ask me consistently, consistently, consistently what it was that I wanted to do with myself in life. And uh, from the age of six to 10, I knew I just never would say to him because, I mean, let's just, we're going to be transparent about this. You know, growing up in a predominantly black community, there's not a warm and fuzzy about law enforcement. But I've always I've liked what I believe uh, uh, being in law enforcement stood for, the honor, the courage, the commitment, the, 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 the mindset to run towards danger when others are running away. You know, that ability to really want to help people and to be and do great things within your community. And so that's what I believe that it stood for. That's what I, I, I um, saw when I see law enforcement. And, and I told my grandfather because he pulled me in his bedroom to tell me he was going to pass away, that he wasn't going to make it. He had terminal cancer and I was going to have to go back to Chicago when I was 10. And uh, he asked me, he said, man, I've been asking you for four years. What is it that you want to do? And if you don't know, that's okay. And I started crying and told him, I've always known I want to be the police. And he said, man, that's an honorable thing. That's an honorable career. I think you would be very good at that, Demetrius. I just have one request. If you're going to do it, I want you to go and be the best. If you can, go and be a special agent. And so from the age of 10 until I became a special agent at 24 years old, I would tell anyone and everyone that would listen, I'm going to be a special agent. So, so. I mean, you became a special agent at age 24, which is insane because that's that's super young. Well, we're gonna scoop back just a little bit because at age 18 is when you joined the United States Marine Corps, correct? That is correct. Okay, so yeah. tell us about that and then we're gonna go into how you got into special agent. Absolutely. Um, well, my grandfather uh, has been I want to say approximately 37 years in the Air Force, so he retired from the Air Force. We had a long lineage of, uh, you know, military in my family. I had some uh, other relatives that had been in the military. And um, let's just be, again, transparent and honest. Um, although, I don't want to put myself on the pedestal like I had it all together when I went back to Chicago. I just did, you know. You know again, uh, our minds are, 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 are very uh, impressionable. And, and we just don't know what we don't know. And we don't know many times how to deal with adversity in the best way. Well, you know, I, I again, growing up in the environment I grew up, um, my home life was not the best. And I know there are a lot of young people that are experiencing that. And with that environment and trying to maneuver and figure things out as a young person going into my team, I didn't do what I was supposed to do in high school. I, pretty much CDF my way through high school, you know? And so I did not put myself in a position where anyone was gonna give me an opportunity uh, to come into their college and give me any type of money to go to school. And, and, and so I had to accept that and deal with it. And I had a real wake up call following graduation because that safety net now clearly had been removed. And when I walked across that stage, I felt it. You know, I cried like a baby at graduation because it hit me like, whoa, you know, I can't go tomorrow back to that high school, you know, and then seeing all of your friends who are excited about getting into college and then I did not have a plan. Uh, my mind just started to go back to some of the conversations I had had with my grandfather and I knew he had spent time in the military. And so um, I had met a recruiter. Um, during one of those college fairs, you know, career fairs at the school in the gymnasium. I had a recruiter with the Marine Corps, Sergeant, uh, Staff Sergeant Solomon. He'll remember his name to this day. I was walking through and he called me and told me to come here. And I said, I'm not interested in joining the Marine Corps. He gave me his card and he said, I'm telling you to be good. You're going to call me, son. And uh, following graduation, the very next day, that Saturday, I woke up in the morning and I was feeling so depressed and down because I just did not know what I was going to do, but I knew I had to do something. 
I just truly believe that, you know, an idle mind is a dangerous place and you can find yourself being pulled in the wrong direction. I wanted to be very proactive in what I was doing and making the first really adult decision of my life. And uh, I got up that morning in tears, went and started looking for his card uh, because I woke up, it was a Marine Corps commercial on the TV in my bedroom. I got up and found his card in the closet and I called him. And when he picked up the phone, it blew me away. I hadn't talked to this guy months. He said, Demetrius Flowers, I knew you were going to call me. And before I could get it out of my mouth, he said, what you doing today? I said, nothing. So I'm going to come get you. We're doing a mock boot camp in Kankakee, Illinois. He goes, and I'm going to come get you. And I went down and all of the physical stuff, the running, the jumping, that didn't bother me. I was an athlete in, in high school. And I went down and that day I told him, sign me up. Two weeks later, I was uh, in MCRD San Diego uh, in Marine Corps boot camp, thinking to myself, what did I just get myself into? Right. My sister, my sister, she's not in, wasn't in the Marine Corps, but she's in the Army. And when she went to boot camp, that boot camp make you make you really think about your life. I don't know exactly what goes on because I never went, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm heard, no I've been told it's no joke. So you moved up the ranks pretty fast. Um, you became a, a sergeant within eight years. I don't know exactly when. Well, you served um, with the Marines yes, for eight years, mm-hmm. but when did you become a, a, a sergeant? So I, I made it to sergeant actually in four years. So I served actively uh, on active duty for four years and, and uh, on in the reserves for four years. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, so I made it to sergeant, uh, um, you know, I would say fairly quickly. Um, again, I was, you know, coming from where, that's the other thing I try to tell young people. Whether we believe so or not, if we just turn our eyes off of woe is me and really look in the mirror and understand all of the amazing gifts and things that have been um, um, instilled in us because of the struggle. Mm-hmm. Like I was in boot camp and I was watching guys crying about some of the things that they, we had to do, the running and you know, all the, and the yelling. And that didn't bother me coming from the environment I came from. Right. So I ended up getting being meritoriously promoted out of boot camp. You know, 125 pounds soaking wet and we graduated close to a thousand Marines. So, you know, that really shaped my mind. Like, you know, you really can do that. What I will say the Marine Corps did for me was I left out of there really with the mindset, like there's nothing you can do. And it was at that point I started telling uh, people, anyone that would listen, I am going to be a special agent. Like, I mean, I knew it at that point. I'm going to figure this out. I'm gonna become a special agent. And so the Marine Corps was great for me. And again, it, it allowed me to get outside of those four walls of where I grew up, go and see the world. I was stationed in Okinawa, Japan, was able to uh, uh, travel on, on uh, um, duty details to uh, Thailand and to the Philippines and to China, you know, so just got out and got to see the world. And then, you know, when you do that, you come back into your environment and, you, and I was telling everyone, like, that's a big world out there. It's it really so is. much to do and see. And, and, and again, the experience and the struggle that I did, I came to realize how much beauty it was in that. As crazy as it sounds, because, you know, I just didn't feel like it, was, it wasn't anything I wasn't going to be able to overcome and achieve. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate. So, Taking a pause for the calls. Here's Xavier Lewis. Busting my tail on a nine to five just to keep up, try to stay alive. Promise my lady we gon' be alright. She be crying while she praying for a better life. Hustling on the side for a bag of rice. Gotta feed the fam, gotta pay the price. Gotta keep trucking through the Georgia clay. Gotta stay searching for a better day. Gotta keep my faith to make a way. Gotta get extended so the gas can pay. Sweet Georgia, hold me down. Keep my feet planted on solid ground. From the New York coast to the Florida shine. Up to the Maryland, D.C. line. Back down south, Red Peach Prime. Sweet Georgia, where I reside. Tell me why do I have to cry out? Tell me why should I even pray? Tell me why should I worry about it? Tell me why should I lose my head? Tell me why do I have to cry out? Tell me why should I even pray? Tell me why would I think about trying to die when I could just take it to the Lord and pray? Sweet Georgia, 
Xavier Lewis, and I am your girl, Butterbee Rocker, all the way from Atlanta, Georgia. Yo, make sure that you check me out. Soul City, The Beat, in Italy, everybody. What up, fam? What up, everybody over in Africa, over in Japan, checking me out? Over in the USA, I appreciate all the love. If you haven't done so yet, check out my station on Pandora, Butterbee Rocker. So... You became a special agent at the age of 24. Can you tell us how you got on? Because when you told that story of being persistent uh, yes. and, and what you did, it was amazing to me. Yeah, so um, again, uh, uh, I'm going to say again, it's just my upbringing. There's nothing special. I always try to tell people, I did, you know, especially young people, there is nothing special about me. You're talking about, again, a young man that uh, my mom was 17 when she had me. Right, you know, again, I've never met my biological father. I CDF my way through uh, high school, but I did take advantage of my opportunities for education in the Marine Corps. And so, um, during during my time in the Marine Corps, I obtained my bachelor's degree, and uh, after getting out of the Marine Corps, obtained my master's degree. Uh, so I got my bachelor's degree in criminal justice and my master's degree in public safety uh, leadership. And 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 so. Coming out of the Marine Corps, I was already on a trajectory where, you know, a lot of my uh, Marine Corps brothers and sisters, you know, after, you know, we got off work, everyone wanted to relax and go and chill and things that I was getting off work and going to night school. Right. And, 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 you know, I know a lot of people thought I was crazy, like you're not having any fun, but I understood that, you know, I had a short time uh, to really get some things in place if I was going to chase after this uh, dream and goal that I had of becoming a special agent. And so um, coming out of the Marine Corps, uh, I got out. Um, I had to make a decision. That's why I, I spent four years in the Indian Force in the reserves. But coming off of active duty, I had to make a decision. You know, am I going to re-enlist or am I going to get out? Well, I ended up getting out and it wasn't easy. You know, the easy thing would have been for me to stay in the Marine Corps. I had made it to sergeant. Um, I was flying through the ranks. I was talking to my supervisor at the time about putting in an officer candidate package because I was in school. You know, they, they have different programs that will allow you to finish up school and then become an officer. So all of those things were, were, were 
uh, running through my mind, but I still had this in the back of my head, like I just really want to chase after this goal of becoming a special agent. And so I got out. And when I got out, I had a, um, a rude awakening. Like, you know, things were, had gotten a lot rougher. It was a, a lot harder in the area that I was growing up in. And then I had to go from being independent and taking care of myself and had to move in with, you know, uh, uh, my aunt. And that wasn't initially, but when I came out, I started working at a, a, a job um, with public storage and I was going to night school still and still doing my reserve time in the Marine Corps. But at one point I was applying and applying and applying and during my time coming out of the Marine Corps and um, while I was trying to apply, I was applying to everyone, the U.S. Marshals, DEA, ATF, the FBI. A lot of people don't know there's approximately 96 federal law enforcement agents. I was applying to everyone and, and some of them declined me multiple times, you know. So I ended up with approximately 70 declination letters where people were telling me that, you know, um, you, even if I was qualified, that they had went in another direction. And many of them that I was not qualified, right? And so I know that when I say that, people go, what? I say, yes. I ended up getting denied over 70 times. But here's the, the key to, to all of that. I had already done my homework and understood that to become a special agent, I just had, had to get it done before my 37th birthday. I told you I got on at age 24, so my mindset was, I'm just going to keep applying and keep doing what I'm supposed to do all the way up to 37, and if I, in, in between this time, somebody's going to pick me up. And so that's what I kept doing. Well, the U.S. Marshals called me, and they said, um, come on in and take the exam. I took the exam, passed the exam. When they called me to do my background, I advised them that I was still in college and needed to finish out my um, my degree, which I had one more co course um, for an internship before I, I transitioned over. And uh, they brought me in to uh, do an internship. Well, while I was doing that, in order to do the internship, which, mind you, was a free internship, I did that for almost two years with them. Wow. I had to quit my job uh, um, at, with, with public storage to do that because the hours conflicted, right? Because the marshals March wanted me in there like they were, I was a paying employee every day. So I quit my job, moved out of my apartment and moved into my aunt's basement. And every time it rained, it, the uh, sewage would back up in my bathroom area. I felt lower than low. I kept thinking to myself, what are you doing? Like, are you sure this is right? Maybe you should just go back into the Marine Corps. Right. But you know, uh, just with a lot of prayer. Again, there's nothing special about me. Just through a lot of prayer and really believe that I can get this done. Even in the midst of that, we continuously receive a declination letters because I still kept applying to everyone. You know, I went through that process. Well, a guy that ended up becoming one of my best friends in the world uh, had interned with the marshals previously. And uh, one of the administrative uh, um, assistants uh, named Beverly with the marshal, she called, she told me, she said, I keep call, calling this young man and telling him, he reminds you remind me of him, he needs to come meet you. And uh, the guy by the name of Tim Morris, he came over, met with me um, approximately my year and a half into my internship with the marshal. And he looked at my resume and said, man, is this legit? I said, yeah. He said, well, let's change some things because you have a gear towards the marshal. Approximately at 4 p.m. that day, he said, I'm gonna take this to my boss. Now, mind you, I, I believe people have the best of intentions. And when people say a lot of things, they don't, I mean, say that they're gonna help you. I think people really do intend to help you, but sometimes a lot of things are out of their control. And he was a young agent just like I am. Uh, I was when I got on. And so he told me he was taking my resume to his boss with US Customs Service. I just took it as I've heard this before. He was a great guy, great contact, and, and I'm just going to store him away a as a contact to stay in contact with him. I had no idea that 30 minutes later, the special agent in charge of the U.S. Customs was calling my, my cell phone. And she called me and said, hey, I'm going to be in D.C. for the next few uh, months, and, and this agent is adamant. We need to hire you. She said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in the office until about 7 o'clock. If you can get over here today, I will speak to you. Well, 
that morning, I had gotten up and went out with the marshals on one of the operations they were doing. So I was in some jeans. I had a Marine Corps sweatshirt on and a Yankee baseball fitted. And so I'm thinking, I can't go over here and meet this lady like that. I called up another one of my uh, my friends, one of my best friends at the time, Damien, and uh, he came and got me from the marshals, took me home. I jumped in the suit, grabbed a briefcase, and I got to her office. When I got up and got to the the glass, I remember her walking up when I asked for it, and she came to the glass. She looked at me. She says, Demetrius? And I said, yes, ma'am. When she let me in, she says, Tim told me you were in jeans because you were out with the marshals this morning. I said, you get one opportunity to make a great first impression. And she says, is everything on your resume legit? I said, yes, ma'am. She stuck her hand out and said, welcome to U.S. Customs Service. She said, hired me on the spot. I started crying like a baby. That's how I got on. That is an amazing story. Um, yeah. I mean, it just it just shows that, that what is, one, what's for you is for you. And two, um, it doesn't matter if you get rejected. If you keep going and keep going and keep going, eventually you will get to where you need to get to. So, that is, that is, it, I, I think that's so very true because I talk to a lot of young people to tell me, Demetrius, I really want to be a special agent. And these are young people that are already in the criminal justice uh, programs at uh, uh, some of the colleges that I've had the opportunity to speak at and, and get involved with. And and when they tell me that, you know, they graduated and they're two years post-graduation and I'm just going to give up, I always laugh at them. I tell them, I say, I got denied over 70 times. Yeah. Call me and tell me you're going to give up once you reach 70. And it's so funny because I was just talking to a guy today who told me finally, you know, uh, one of the federal agencies had gotten in contact with him. But he was so down. And I said, man, I don't want to hear it. You're not even double digits with someone telling you no. And so you're right. Uh, uh, our, our superpower, I believe, coming from struggle is persistence. Mm -hmm. And I've always believed that, you know, I may not be as talented I may not be quote unquote the most qualified, but I'm going out persistent, your butt. So, <laughs> better get ready because I'm not going to give up. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so, uh, as your time, well, you're still a special agent, right? I am. Yes, I am. I, 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 I'm, I, I'm proud to say that, uh, I'm, you know, I have over 20 years of uh, federal government service. Um, coming up on 17 years of special agent, so I'm very proud of um, one having that dream, serving my country, and uh, ha having the ability to say, you know, my dream became a reality. You know, when I go home and I'm talking to guys I went to school with or my relatives and things like that, you know, all people want to do is hear stories about where I've been, what I've done, how, what have I, what I, what have I experienced. You know, I mean, in the environment I grew up in, there's not many young people, I mean, many people that grew up with me that uh, um, can say that they became a special agent. You know, I often talk to young people and I tell them, I grew up right down the street right there. And they said, no, you did not. All because of this title. And so I just have always believed it was so incredibly important for me to make sure that I utilize, you know, my gifts, my feet, my voice, and, and the things that I have achieved and accomplished to reach back and say, I am you, you are me. I'm no better than you. Keep going and don't succumb to the environment in which you uh, have been brought up. Absolutely. I love all of this. Taking another pause for the calls. This is your girl, Butter B. Rocker, representing the ATL. You're listening to the smooth sounds of Mo Dre slow down. I hope that you don't take this wrong, but I'm kind of wondering what you want to do, cause I've been staring way too strong, can't believe I let us wait this long, sometimes I see you on a weekday, in and out on a cheap day, now I'm not trying to be a creep, nay. Well, I'm just here to say my piece. Can I get your number? If you need you for the summer. 
Tell me what's your favorite song. I put it on and dance the whole night long with you. No need to put no makeup on. Got your beauty like the sun and shine. Sometimes I see you on a weekday. In and out on a cheap day. I'm not trying to be a creep, nay. Well, I'm just here to say my piece. All the way from the ATL, you're listening to Mo Dre. Make sure you guys hit me up on Instagram at ButterBeRocker or on Transparency Talks Podcast. Let me know what you're feeling, all right? So what type of investigations do you lead? Okay, so um, being that I'm on now, you know, close to 17 years, uh, I've done some of everything. Um, I've worked uh, international drug smuggling. Um, I've worked narcotics. I've worked child exploitation. I work fraud. Um, currently, I work um, in, in the internal affairs aspect of the agency. And so, um, within you know the agency that I'm with, the Department of Homeland Security, there's approximately uh, uh, 20 plus agencies that fall up under Homeland Security. And so, within the internal affairs uh, construct, we oversee you know the uh, employees, the contractors. Uh, funding, things like that as it relates to oversight for uh, the department. And so that's what I'm currently doing. But I've worked some of everything. That's how I ended up, you know, uh, traveling again abroad in some instances. You know, um, I had an opportunity to work in an undercover group um, when I was still working general investigations. And that ended up in Africa and in the Philippines. And so, you know, just again, I'm a kid from Inglewood, south side of Chicago, and I remember being in the Philippines on, on an undercover operation, thinking to myself, like, I cannot believe this is my life. Yeah. I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like those type of things that I like to share with young people. Like, I'm telling you, just keep going. Because, you know, the reality is, again, coming up in an environment I came up in, I can remember being in the fifth grade, the sixth grade, and the teachers asking, what do you want to do? And and the majority of the young men all said one thing. That's happened. That's it, you know? But I remember being in the fifth grade and um, Mrs. Balfour said to me when I said I wanted to be uh, a special agent, you know, like that just kind of caught her off guard. Like, wait, you want to do what? I want to be a special agent, you know? And, and then, you know, having the blessings of the creator to continue down that path and chase after that and to then at 24 years old achieve that, I felt like I got drafted into the league. Yeah. And that's what I tell people, you know, like swish, you know. And so it's been uh, one heck of a ride. Um, if I got to punch a clock, it's amazing that I'm able to punch a clock doing exactly what I desired to do at the age of six. So. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I've I've said that forever. I left corporate, my corporate job, in two thousand and seven to pursue music full time. And I was like, if I'm gonna do something, you gotta one, you gotta do something that you absolutely love. Right. You know? Absolutely. Um. So let me ask you a question that you know I look at a lot of uh, SUV and a lot of criminal minds and all that type of stuff, and. Um, when people go undercover, they have to go like undercover, undercover. And so how is it being able to snap out of that? You know, you know, one minute you a drug. I, I, I get, <laughs> right. So again, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, the, 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 the my, uh, my superpower is, again, was the struggle, right? It was where I come from. It was being in an environment where, you know, unfortunately, I, I saw, you know, uh, narcotics dealing and, and I wasn't um, a stranger to um, seeing guns or even, unfortunately, again, the violence that, that stems from, you know, coming up in an impoverished area where, you know, um, gangs and narcotics and violence was, you know, have 
become the norm. And so having that experience really helped me. You know, it, it you know, I, I was able to operate and, and talk. And, and here's the beauty. I never tried to be anything but me. You know, I never, I, I was, you know, not one of those uh, kids coming up in my environment where, you know, uh, I, I, I sagged my pants or did any of those type of things. My grandfather wouldn't have it and my mom wasn't having it. And so, you know, that just wasn't me. And so when I started um, working in this undercover unit, I dressed like me. I, I, I talked like me, you know, my, you know, I, I, I was myself. And I think uh, when I'm talking to young people about the opportunities that come along as it relates to that, if you ever have that opportunity, just be yourself. Cause can't nobody be you better than you. Right. Of course, you know, you end up with a, a, a fictitious name and all of the things that come along with that. But it was a lot of fun. But, you know, I was me, you know. Um, and I have acting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you're acting, but, you know, you're still acting like yourself. Right. You're not doing anything that you're not. And that, I think that's where I found how um, amazing it was, again, the beauty of where I came from really has helped me tremendously in my career. So you've never you've never taken your work home where you still was undercover being Tyrone, the gangster. <laughs> no. Come home bringing it, right? My, my, my wife is not having that. Nobody wants me, wants me coming and coming home uh, um, in, in, in work mode, you know. Uh, and, and, and it's hard to do sometimes because I think a lot of those of us that uh, are you know, I've been in the military or worked in law enforcement. We're type A personalities, right? So we're all about getting it done. What's the objective and how do I go about object, uh, uh, accomplishing that objective? Um, and so I can come home and, and try to do that, but my wife and my son don't pay me any attention. So quickly learn to save that for work. Right. So how do you unwind and, and get your mind off of the things that you, you've seen and experienced. I mean, I'm sure you've seen killings, of course. You, you, you've worked in child abductions and all this type of stuff. How do you how do you shift? Um, to be quite honest, um, that was something that um, I struggled with. Um, I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, about four or five years into my job, like my entire surroundings of friend groups were other folks in law enforcement. So what I tried to do was, you know, make that conscientious shift within myself to um, start developing friendships outside of those individuals, you know. Um, I, I remember started, I took up golfing and um, really got serious about, you know, my health and fitness and working out. So I spend a lot of time, you know, when things are on my mind, um, the best way for me to clear my mind is, you know, to go get a, a, a an amazing workout in you know um that does it for me oftentimes but then i'm gonna be honest with you i had a real shift about what was um a priority and really what was my purpose when my son was born mm -hmm. you know when he came when he came along that made me look at everything differently and helped me to understand that you know um you have to be able to shut that stuff down and not bring it home or have it uh, be a part of what's uh, bothering you when you're at home because he doesn't know anything about that. All he wants is dead, right? Right. And so um, I did, you know, take some steps um, actually uh, about two years ago and sought out some professional counseling. And I know that's very difficult for, you know, uh, many people to talk about and be open about, but the, 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 the mind's eye, you can't turn off. Right. And once you've seen some things that you should probably never see with the human eye, you know, those things will some way, shape, form, or fashion, whether it's watching a television show or having a conversation, you know, come up. Right. And, and so I did take the necessary steps from a mental health perspective to see someone and start talking through some of the things that I had experienced and seen and just how to cope with that, right? And, and understanding that, you know, um, even from my wife's perspective or my son's perspective, they're never gonna understand, you know, because my wife says, you never talk about work. <laughs> and, and my thing is always, 
because I'm trying to turn that off and not have that on the forefront of my mind because I'll be up in the middle of the night and everyone's sleep because I can't turn it off. So, no, I'm very proud of myself for doing that. It took me a long time, but I did. I went and sought out some, some professional counseling. That's great. That's great. And it's great that you you knew that it was time for you to um, sought out the, you know, so um you are also co-founder of creative content development can you tell us mm-hmm. about yeah so of course during my time in the marine corps and um within the federal law enforcement arena training is everything right it's the, it's the difference between life and death and so i'm I, i'm impartial but it goes without saying that the marine corps um, conducts and puts on and trains at, at the highest level, in my opinion, of any military branch in the world. And I was proud to be a part of that. It made me really lock in and understand the importance of repetition as it relates to training and then being really focused as it relates to training. And I even uh, um, contribute that to a big part of me continuing to just apply and apply and apply. I was chasing after becoming a special agent. It was just a repetition of that, but I had learned a lot of those skills in the military because there is no uh, failure, you know. Uh, um, even, even unfortunately, when when there's a loss of life, you got to keep going because it's important for us to, you know, win the battle. And so, from that perspective and with that mindset. Um, with uh, understanding the importance of training, when I transitioned in with Homeland Security, I saw too, man, training is everything. And now it's not that I'm just in the military, but then when I got on with Homeland Security, I am um, out here conducting criminal investigations as a special agent uh, every day. I carry a weapon for a living. And so it was a lot of things that, that started to really come into focus because of the continuous training that we're continuously doing on a regular basis. You know, training just seems to never stop. It's like, I feel like every week we're doing some aspect of training. Well, I fell in love with that. And falling in love with that, I I became a uh, defensive tactics instructor and um, started doing, uh, 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 heading up some of the training within uh, my division within the uh, um, area that I, I, I sit in currently. Mm-hmm. And and so I understood, I'm young enough to still understand the amazing benefits of technology. And um, my uh, one of my best friends, Tim, who helped me become an agent, he too was going and speaking at schools. I was going to speak at schools. And we were just really bouncing off of one another. We had worked on a PowerPoint that we both were utilizing to get out and do a lot of outreach to try to really open up and expand the minds of young people, especially coming um, from the communities we come from, you know, those impoverished communities, those uh, um, communities where there's, you know, those young black kids, we were getting out trying to talk to them about thinking about this as a career option and the importance of staying out of trouble so they could get into this career. Because right now today, you know, I believe it's less than 3% of the population within federal law enforcement is black, African-American. And so, you know, it's really important that we try to expand the minds of those young people. Well, with all of that, I started having some schools some colleges and him as well asking us about the information we were sharing. And so we said, man, we should really write a book because the reality is they're not teaching this stuff in college. Nobody's teaching you how to become a special agent. And so we started writing a, a, a book um, called the uh, the Fair Four Step Process, um, and that was a, a guide to trying to help individuals learn, you know, what it is that they need to do to get into the federal law enforcement arena and some of the uh, the, the, the skill sets that, that we had learned being in federal law enforcement that they could be utilized, um, young people. Along with that, um, we started working on a course. And we were initially going to put it again in a book format, but I had called him because my wife went to a uh, Tony Robbins event, I believe. And she was saying, hey, I think you're thinking about this book wrong. You need to think about it from a technology perspective. And when she said it, I got it immediately. Immediately, my mind went to an online course. And so when I approached my my, uh, best friend about it, 
um, he said, I don't understand that list of stuff, but I'll do some research. And when he called me back, he said, I got it. That makes complete sense because now we can affect and touch so many young people, whether it's in, in um, if we get into one college, you know, it can be open to as many colleges. And then those that are even are maybe not even in college, maybe in a high school level, they can access this course. And so we are in the finishing stages, uh, we're putting the finishing touches on that online course as um, I speak to you currently. So I'm very excited about that. And so that was the start of, wait, if we can create this course, then we can, can create and do other work in the uh, online and e-learning arena. And as God would have it, I was at the time stationed in uh, Texas. Well, I transitioned from Texas here to Atlanta, never knowing uh, where we were going to live. I let my wife select the house. She said, that's the house. I never saw it. I was still in Texas closing out cases and things like that. About four months later, I moved here. And I actually, in the community we lived in, right across the street from me, uh, directly to my right, I met a guy who had 25 years of development experience as an e-learning architect. Mm. And when he told me that, it didn't register with me at the time. But approximately two years later, I went back to him because of this epiphany I had with the course. And we, myself, my best friend Tim, uh, Sean, and then he introduced me to our business partner, Mona. We all partnered up to co-found and start the Creative Content Development Group. And I'm very proud to say that not only are we doing our thing as it relates to the courses and things we're looking to get out from an individual perspective, but we're actually doing work for corporate America. Awesome. So, can you tell everybody where they can book you? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, you can reach out to me uh, on, on Facebook. Um, it's easy to find me. It's, it's you know, Demetrius Flowers. Uh, um, you'll see me. I, I'm, I'm under there. You know, my hashtag is uh, the Fit Cop, and or on Instagram, you know, at the Fit Cop. And 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 it's not has nothing to do with you know working out or being in shape. You know, Fit is an acronym for finding inspiration together. I truly have a desire to uh, speak into the lives of um, anyone that's out here trying to chase after their dreams, goals, aspirations, and doing better. And so I believe that, you know, if we can collectively uh, lock arms like a chain, we can absolutely motivate, inspire, encourage, and help one another to reach further. You know, it's all about stretching, learning, and growing. And um, that's my, my, my desire. And so I would love to, um, you know, tell my story and be a part of whatever someone is doing to uplift those around them. Okay.
That was my single, The Storm, by Butter B. Rocker. Make sure you guys hit me up on Instagram at Transparency Talks Podcast or on my personal page at Butter B. Rocker. I'm here on Soul City to Beat in Italy, 9 p.m., and in the U.S. on Eastern Standard Time at 3 p.m. Catch me on Pandora, Spotify, all digital platforms. Holla at your girl. Thanks again to our sponsors at Export Coffee Co. Visit them today at www.exportcoffeeco.net. That's E-X-P-O-R-T-C-O-F-F-E-E-C-O.net.